0: up. We have had to perform to a certain social game. And so we're in a constant state of competition. In terms of that competition, we can of course lose place and in that sense make mistakes. Criticism this is the secret. You can't
1: make a mistake. Welcome everybody to friends of failure. I'm your host, Sam, and this is my co-host, Megan. Hey, yo, super excited to introduce you guys to our guest today. Clayton Tuteri. Hopefully I said that right, bud. Uh, how you doing?
2: I'm doing excellent, man. And, uh, yeah, totally good. It's Q Terry, but every time. Every time. <laughs> every... I appreciate
1: it, right? I yeah. just needed the the quick assist, you know.
2: You're you're in your head about it. You just gotta just go with the flow of it. But... <laughs> go with the flow. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: thanks for joining us today. Uh how's your day going so far?
2: It's going great, man. Um, it's an honor to be here and um excited to meet officially meet you and uh you and Megan and excited to talk about failure and how how I've quote unquote failed in my life. So looking right forward on. to it.
1: Yeah, it's always great to kind of hear, you know, sometimes success stories that come from failure, or even just lessons that we've learned from failure, right? You know, it's it's one of those things that sometimes I I feel like I have a pretty good relationship with failure in terms of treating it as a uh, a tool or or maybe a teacher that leads me to developing in the way that I need to to get to where I'm going to succeed in that. Then there's other days that I think you know, like you said before, I'll get in my head. Uh, with failure. And I, I kind of go back to like the misconception of it. But you know, before we, we really jump into it, uh, I would love for you to just kind of give a, an introduction of who you are, what you're about, what you do, uh, and how we're gonna kind of talk about failure today.
2: For sure. And I'll just keep it at a high level overview. Feel free to dive into any elements of this that you wish. I grew up in Pennsylvania. I went didn't really know what I wanted to be growing up. Well, I knew I wanted to be an athlete. Society told me that, you know, it's basically impossible. So that pushed me away from it, had to make a different alternative, fell in love with programming in high school, like software programming. Then I went to college in Florida, got a bachelor's in computer engineering. Then five years later, graduated with that bachelor's, got my first job out in San Diego, California. Absolutely beautiful. Had, you know, had two beaches, but then a 30 second walk in my house. I was writing state of the art code for military drones. I had incredible fans or fans, (laughs) friends. (laughs) I didn't have any fans at the time.
0: (laughs) Almost the same.
2: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully they're a fan of you, right? If they're a friend, they're they're a fan. That's true. Surrounded just amazing weather, amazing women, just literally everything that you could possibly imagine. I know that friends from home, whenever I'd explain or even try to explain San Diego, I would catch myself like pulling myself back almost because I felt like I was bragging at a certain point with how amazing it was and still is to this date. And so just to set the scene for, you know, I hit a certain point with my job, with life, where I was telling people about this, like what I was doing, where I was living. And I noticed that other people were getting so much more interest out of my life than I had telling it. I realized that other people's eyes would light up when they saw where I lived, when they heard what I was doing, and I felt empty inside. And, you know, through, you know, some psilocybin therapy and some different introspective works, which you can get into deep detail about, I realized that I was, you know, in the literal sense, kind of killing myself at my job. Uh, it wasn't where I was supposed to be in life. And after one of the therapy sessions, I the last one, I just decided I needed to quit my job. It was like foot in the sand, felt so energized after making that decision. So I quit my job and decided that my next plan was to travel the world. Uh, I had saved up a good amount of money. I'd paid off all my debt from college. And it was just the next chapter was to travel the world. About a weekend, I started my podcast, which was called is called now traveling to consciousness. And I basically just talked to people about spirituality, quantum physics, And our place in the universe and how that works out. And so, yeah, I've just been absolutely loving that ride. I've been to over 11 countries now. And yeah, I'm just I'm absolutely in love with life. And I could not have asked for it any other way.
1: That's beautiful. On some similar scale, I'm kind of going through that now where Mm. I'm trying to figure it out. As a person that definitely would label themselves as an overthinker, I've had certain therapy as you would say that has helped me understand myself from a place that doesn't overthink right and sees it from such a far away perspective is almost out like almost as like looking at it from above and, and separating myself from it but still understanding that I'm a part of it and connected to everything and you know it all sounds kind of crazy to, to anyone that hasn't gotten to experience it yet or or experiences versions or pieces of it but doesn't understand what they're experiencing you know and i wouldn't say it's quite the norm yet but it's definitely growing more and more people i would say are i guess the term would be waking up you Mm -hmm. know i i always like the analogy of like waking up from the matrix you know the one yeah i always say like the matrix is a documentary not a not a movie for entertainment (laughs) but I, i guess it's i guess it's both right now I'll tell you, I'll be really horrified if I wake up one day and I'm in a weird gel vat and, you know, I have things connected to my head and I'm like, you know, Keanu Reeves in that, that moment of waking up. Right. But, um, you know, in some ways I, I would say as a metaphor that kind of feels accurate.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's interesting, right? Like you're and something you touched on that's interesting is you were saying that you would feel weird if, right. And where this gets interesting is like, once you start to align yourself with the actual, nature of truth of love of connection of divinity it does feel weird it feels very weird and to some people that can actually be triggering of itself and i've noticed that through my um content that i put out where people do get triggered by stuff i say which is not my intention at all i'm purely trying to put out you know things that resonate with me and what i'm finding along my way and so to your point right you feel weird when you get exposed to what reality would be if we go back to your matrix example, if you're getting unplugged and you wake up, you're in a vat and you get unplugged, like that would be the weirdest thing in the world. Like could be kind of traumatic in a sense, but the, but in reality, hypothetical air quotes is that that is reality. Like that is your actual state of being. And so I believe that this is kind of that process. We go through certain experiences in our childhood that maybe do traumatize us some deeper than others. And, we kind of are working through to find that breakthrough point of recognizing who we are, concerning who we are versus what like society tells us, what our parents tell us, what other people tell us, what random commenters on the internet tell us. Um, and so I, I really feel like it's almost that unfolding process of peeling back these different layers of an onion. It's like, okay, well, that traumatic experience did that to me. Society has been telling me, I have to do this to be successful, you know, and this goes into failure of course. Um, you know, and it kind of goes down the list of like, well, in society's eyes, if I fail in this way, then I take that on as being a failure myself. But you got to step back and be like, wait, is that my barrier of success? Is that my goal of success? Is that my definition of success? Or was that society's definition that I have now embodied? And if I don't hit that requirement, then I'm a failure. Because if we look back at my story, man, I checked off all the boxes, right? I was 26 years old. I had all my debt paid off from college. Software engineer, San Diego, two beaches, you know, women, weather, you know, friend group, everything, and yet I felt empty. I felt, you know, internally. I I would probably say it now. I was, I was in the process of failing my highest self, and that's kind of a deep esoteric answer question. We can kind of break apart, but in a sense, the reason that I was getting depleted of energy is because I wasn't succeeding in Clayton's game of life i wasn't succeeding in clayton's optimal timeline instead i was succeeding though in societies i had all the societal boxes checked and yet it was killing me on the inside so this is where it gets interesting about whether or not i was actually succeeding or failing so i
1: i had a weird journey where like things didn't seem right and i didn't know what that meant and i you know i avoided all the things that would have educated me in a way that might have sent me down that road but you know i kind of graduated high school and like rejected the idea of continuing education. I was like, I want to go work. I want to go make money. And like, I want to go be on my own. And it was all really weird and confusing. I, I definitely didn't start having the awareness of living with intention until the last three to five years. I'd, I'd probably be more close to like the last three years. Right. Mm. And so I ended up in the military and people are like, you know, why did you join? And it really was just a, all right, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to go to college. Uh, I don't have a career. I don't know what I'm going to do. So let's see what happens. It was like rolling the dice. And, you know, I did get to travel and I got to experience myself, but nothing actually really changed, right? I just gained life experience that until later on, I couldn't really even comprehend. I don't, I don't think, right. I had to mature and kind of grow, but For sure. e- even after getting out, the, the problem was, and I hadn't, I was not aware of this at all, but I was strictly just living in a life of fear. Mm. Right. I gotta make more money. I need to be smarter. I need to be better at everything. Uh, I'm not enough. Uh, definitely was not aware of understanding the importance of developing and and taking the time to contemplate for myself my belief systems and identity, right? Understanding the the mind and the body and the soul, like things that you know you can kind of slowly work on every day if you choose to, right? And that's the part that I sometimes try to talk to people about is like, that's where I was failing. I mean, over and over again is I, I just would fail and then be afraid of failing again. So I just try to run from it, which would lead to more failure. Right. Um, But also it's kind of hard to measure what failure is whenever you really don't have any defined goals or destinations. Um, But then like, I'm in a weird place where I'm like, this is the destination. Right. I, I, you're, hey, where where are you going? I'm already there. And I still have to talk to myself and and try to understand that perspective. But it all really started with a book called The Power of Now. Maybe you've Lord heard it.
2: of it. I've read it. Yeah. yeah
1: um, <laughs> it was like, it throat punched me and all of a sudden I'm sitting there <laughs> going like, holy moly. You know, it's one of those books I would have to like pause and just think about it. Um, do you have any thoughts about that in terms of how and correct me if I'm wrong, but part of my understanding from reading that and thinking about it was that I'm not saying time isn't real. I mean, it, it is something that is there maybe as like a measurement tool or or however maybe you would explain it, but it's all happening simultaneously. You know, the, the seven-year-old that I was is still here now. The 70-year-old is here now. And of course, me being 34 is here now. It's exactly all the same.
2: Right. Well, exactly. And if you close your eyes, and anyone listening to this podcast can do this in 30 seconds is just close your eyes and imagine yourself as a seven year old. It's like you are now a seven year old, you -hmm. can close your eyes and imagine yourself on your deathbed, which is actually a really therapeutic and helpful thing for people to do if they've ever like imagine you're on your deathbed and like, you know, being like, okay, is this thing I'm worrying about right now something worth worrying about? Like, am I going to care on my deathbed? Um, But without diving into that, uh, you know, to your point, you can imagine yourself being in those places and where this comes back to, and we can tie this into failure is like different levels of truth. And so to your point, right? Like with the time aspect, we, you know, I think it was like a month ago. We were like, okay, at this date and time, we're gonna, you know, meet it's like, okay, cool. Like I'll see you guys then. So there is a layer of truth that like time exists. Now, what gets weird is, is like, it's only that is something that is constricted to the, third dimension, third dimensional reality. So the way I see it is that fourth dimension is time, you know, like, if you were able to see the fourth dimension, what you would perceive is, is your body as a very long snake, starting from when at birth till death, and you would see all your movements, like think you're about your day, right? If you're walking up and down your house, right? Or even in the morning, So if you were a fourth dimensional creature and you could see fourth dimension, you would see your body sitting in your bed, waking up and walking all the way down to your kitchen in one snapshot. So the idea that time is an illusion is to kind of show you this higher truth of existence. And it's, don't get me wrong, it's difficult to understand because again, we're having a third dimensional experience trying to perceive a concept that's out of our density, our dimension of reality. And so The idea of it, point being, is that there are multiple truths, right? There's different layers of truths. There's the layer of, yeah, time is quote unquote real as a third dimensional person, but it's also not real if you take it to a higher level of existence and transcending to that higher level of existence is where we're able to get a different perspective. As furthermore, it comes back to these different layers of truth with regards to the failure concept. There's a very standard quote unquote success model within the terms of society like there's a societal success there's also your personal success there's also your relationship success so there's all these different things that can contribute to the idea of being a successful person now it just becomes down to aligning with which one of these truths you wish to embody and wish you true wish to live like for instance like there are a ton of off the wall (laughs) things that i post on my instagram account like i find wild stories about we can go i mean not to sound crazy, but fuck it Um, (laughs) uh, from, you know, Stargates to aliens to reincarnations to people remembering past deaths. And, you know, my whole perspective is just a question. It's like, Hey, I found this thing, something about it feels true. You decide. And the fact of the matter is, is it's, it's very fascinating to see the people who push it away and dismiss you as crazy. And then there's other people who think it's like the most fascinating and real thing in the world. And so what my point is, is like, you get to choose what you want to align with Mm -hmm. what like, and what I encourage is, is, and again, it's a pick your own adventure. At the end of the day, this is all a pick your own adventure. Um, what I choose to is like, figure out and keep updating my belief system such that I'm aligned with what makes me feel the best, what energizes me the most, what makes me at most peace with this present moment, because, Why would I take on something or why does it even make sense to align with anything else? I mean, even if someone else holds it as their truth, like that's fine, but I found a way that makes me feel better. That makes me feel more energized. So why would I not choose that truth as opposed to a different one?
1: I think something that's important is like, I think you can believe whatever you want to believe, right? There's plenty of religions out there that you can Delve into and and if that helps your quality of life and understanding of self, I think by all means go for it. Right at the end of the day, as long as you're not hurting other people, and that's mm-hmm. where it gets weird, right? Is that you'd be like, oh man, I was reading about Buddhism and and I really align with it, and you're talking about it, and people are like, you know, it's not the right answer, you can't be doing that, and it's like, but you're not hurting anyone by believing in Buddhism, and yet all people, right. you know, and so where where things really changed for me, and I started kind of like being able to agree with what you're saying was when I read a book called mind hacking happiness. And I don't know if I agree with the title, but like, it wasn't my choice. I, you know, whatever (laughs) I'm being picky, but it, it, the author one day is going to be like, what's your deal? Why don't you like it? Um, but he, he talks about how the brain works and why it does what it does. And then at some point in the book, it, it explains to you very well, um, what identity is and why it's there and what, how identity affects your life. And, um, one I was confronted with, I was like, I don't, really identify with much things. Like I had to think about what, what do I connect my identity to? Um, but then the other thing being, I've, I've known individuals that they identify with so much that it's overwhelming for them,
2: you know, for for sure. And I think that's a huge lesson at some level we all need to learn, which is this idea of attachment. Like if I ask you, who are you, you know, this is something I've asked myself is like, who am I? And even if I sit here and say, you know, I'm a white male with a beard and my name's Clayton, it's like something about that still feels off. Like, that's not like the full truth of who I am. I'm just giving you physical characteristics. I'm giving you words that we've used to categorize certain things, whether it's a gender, whether it's a name to specify me. Like, none of these things are like exactly what I am. They are just a third dimensional title or word or category that we use in our everyday language to describe something. So for, to say, who am I? And then you come back with either your job title or your relationship status, or, you know, at some level there's, that's not like the highest truth in my mind. And to get back to your thing, there's a level of releasing attachment to these third dimensional titles that we've assigned to everything in our life.
0: So I've been wanting to ask this when you decided to quit, was it, part of like identifying a new truth, or maybe you weren't attached to that image of success anymore. What really, there's not always just one clean answer to it, but what pushed you over to be like, I'm not too scared to try something different.
2: It's a, it's a good question. And, you know, quitting was something I was grappling with for probably about a year and a half ish, maybe two years. Um, my boss was a great guy, absolutely great personable guy. But then whenever it came to being a manager, he just wasn't doing a great job. Uh, the company, the leaders, the quote unquote leaders, the people, in, let me rephrase it. The people in leadership positions uh, were not the most constructive or helpful to someone coming out of college, in my opinion, or maybe I just wasn't primed to learn from them. I mean, that's also another possibility. And so I was grappling for a while. Um, like I was saying, I came across psilocybin therapy and on my third day, uh, third therapy session, uh, the message that the universe was screaming at me was do what you fear most. And for some reason, just the way that it hit this time was what actually got ingrained in me because I've read plenty of books. I've heard plenty of seminars of people saying like, you know, you just got to go all in. Alan Watts is very well known for do what you fear most, or, um, I don't think it's do what you fear most, but what would you do if money wasn't an option kind of line of thinking. And a part of me, like the sub, honestly, like the, the conscious part of me, I like agreed. It was like, yeah, that's true. But then from a subconscious and my actions, it's like, well, then why are you still going to this job you hate? Like if, if you actually truly believe that you wouldn't be going to this job that you hate. And there's a, <laughs> there's a dark path with that, that as well. There's a line of thinking that I always think about when that comes up. Um, but the point that I'm trying to get at though, is just like, you can consciously believe something and then your subconscious programming and the actions that you're implementing day to day are not going to align with that. And I believe that that actually might be part of the catalyst for change. That it might actually be what uh, you need to feel. You need to feel that stress and struggle to realize that you don't want it. And so by bringing those into alignment, bringing that conscious brain into alignment with your subconscious, by actually taking action off of those things that you intrinsically know to be more true than what you're currently believing. That's whenever a whole new, el- a whole new element of the world just unfolds for you. Man.
1: Cause it, it is, it sounds scary for a lot of people, right? For sure. Hey man, sure. quit your job.
2: Um,
1: well, <laughs> I, I have bills to pay.
2: Dude. <laughs> Dude, cause there's so many times it's so true. Cause there's so many times now after doing it, after quitting my job where I hear people complaining about their job or, uh, you know, it's like, I can't believe I have to go to work tomorrow. And I'm sitting there like, you don't have to. (laughs) And it's like, oh, yeah, I do. Like, we can't be all as lucky as you. And it's so crazy from my perspective, because it's like, it's just a decision. Like, it's just a very, quote unquote, simple, but we, in our minds, we make it out to be such a a bigger thing, a bigger monster than what it is. And, you know, something that um, uh, a lot of great philosophers, I can't think of the specific one off the top of my head, have talked about, but the craziness with fear is that you have to confront it in order to minimize it. There is no other way to go around it. Uh, if you're afraid of failing at something, you have to commit. You have to face it. You have to go after it. It's like you know, and this isn't anything new. We've known this for years and years. Look at any any well written story. Harry Potter. Look at any like medieval guy, you know, the classic guy with a sword who has to go slay a dragon in a cave that's far away to save his village. Like it's, you have to go and face that fear, the fear of the dragon and stand up to it and say to it, I'm not afraid of you. I'm willing to do what my soul is aligned with in order to do it. And I mean, Valhalla is on the other side of that. And yet nobody, I mean, whether it's our education system, whether it's, you know, the conscious level of humans you know there's a whole bunch of different things i believe that go into it but i truly believe that if we're able just to push through that fear if we're able to just say you know fuck it i know the universe has my back and do things out of fear no matter what that's really when you get to know yourself better and you get to take on more things that are scary
1: so i I, let's do this all right (laughs) it's it's inevitable all right so i want to i do want to talk about the education system, a perspective of it, right? And I'll start. <laughs> so for me, I started, I got to a point almost obsessively where I was like, all right, I want to do better and I want to live with intention. I want to align with my soul. And so one thing I will tell you that was very beneficial for me is finally going, oh, wait a minute. And it seemed just so like common sense to me, but it was just, it, giving permission to accept it. Maybe I think I've always known this, but I am not my brain and I'm not my body. This is my mech suit, my avatar. Like that's what, literally what I was thinking about when you were talking about, you know, we yeah. do need to have labels for things so that we can differentiate between, you know, Sam, Clayton, Megan. Right. right. Um, and it, and it's cool to modify and change and like feel good in your body and, and, and in the clothes you're wearing and stuff, but it isn't the end all be all either. Right. Um, you know, I've had times where like, I, I don't grow like a super great beard, but I'll let it get crazy sometimes. And I'm like, dude, I look like a crazy person. And I'm like, let's look just... at
2: your beard right now. It's like, it's looking pretty good. So <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um,
1: yeah. But, but you know, it's, a, it's like this weird thing where I'll be like, dude, why are you wasting your thoughts on what your beard looks like? If, if you want it trimmed, then just go deal with that. But like, let's not sit here and be like, Oh man, I hope people don't think I look like mangled or something. Right. And so <laughs> When I when I was able to go like okay I understand that my belief is I am energy or or a piece of the source or God whatever you want to call it that is embodying into this mech suit to be able to be in this dimension and 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 experience to grow and and understand and whatever through consciousness and and I guess subconsciousness um so i eventually was confronted with a question from like a youtube video of a guy that was doing like a lecture or whatever and he was kind of talking about think back to the last time where you were like carefree and he's like all of you for the most part are probably going to think about a time when you were a kid and you know if you ask someone what was the happiest day of your life there are a lot of people that would be some time when they were a kid and it's like dude It doesn't matter. Don't compare yourself to other people, but it's like, if the happiest day of your life, say you're like 50 years old and you look back and the happiest day of your life is you were seven years old. Like, have you gotten close to that? What is there a reason why that's the happiest day? Is it just something you chose to hold on to, you know, whatever. And I realized that there was a point where I started to have a little bit of awareness in high school. Didn't really do anything with it. Definitely developed some awareness in the Marine Corps, went around and and learned things, saw things, Uh, again acquired life experience but there was some awareness there didn't do anything with it and then eventually I just started really leaning into developing awareness and then I became like super overthinker everything was you know I I was afraid of being afraid I was am I am I going with the flow enough like I I was basically in a state of resistance more than I was of not resisting Mm. so I don't blame the education system for that, but I do know that I was a very good, I became a very good worker bee, mm. right? Like I had the physical capacity for it. Maybe I wasn't the smartest guy in the room, but I definitely, you know, I could use my body until I couldn't anymore and I'd sleep and be able to do it again and again and again. Um, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, Megan's like literally seen what I've talked about. Like I can push my my physical limits.
0: It's scary. Per- yeah, I can push my <laughs> physical limits pretty
1: far. And, and maybe that is, know partially mental right mind over matter if if you think in that that frame but you know so i'll ask you this question and and you can just kind of explain your your viewpoint on the education system and your experience with it but I'll, i'll start with the question of why do you think we're not learning about consciousness subconsciousness the importance of identity and development you know um And I'm just, I'm shotgunning a bunch of phrases out there, but you know, even like the frequency that our brain runs at, uh, the importance of understanding time from multiple perspectives, um, things that could very much, even though I, I think that adversity is very important during this lifetime, there are things that would very much help our quality of life during those trials and adversities and sufferings, and even being able to have better quality of enjoying peacetime, if you will. Why is that not taught in school? Why wouldn't we at least throw that out there so people could contemplate it if they wanted to, right?
2: Right. And there's a historical answer to it, which I'm sure you might already know. And then there's a an esoteric or metaphysical or spiritual answer to it as well. Um, to make sure we're on the same page, the uh, my understanding, please correct me if you guys know better than me on this. But the history of our education system is actually based off of the Persian empire. And the way that they had set up their schooling was to create great warriors like, you know, yourself included. And the whole point of it, you know, you think of the way school structured is, you know, we're going to sit you in single file lines, you know, in that little box formation um, when the bell rings. So to get you triggered is to get you up and then walk into your next class. You know, you're listening to people take you directions and, even more so not even just to create great warriors, but it also created uh, what um, was needed at the time in the labor. uh, The labor that was needed was with regards to um, like factory workers, like working the line, I believe uh, like Rockefeller or like one of those Imperial uh, titans at the time, their whole goal was to just create great workers. Um, Now, you know, I, So that, so, right. So like from a physical, like world perspective, that's why quote unquote, we have the system or at least started. If you get from a, if you want to look at it from a more spiritual or esoteric point of view, I, my first line of option is that maybe we just didn't know better. I mean, you know, it's taken a long time for us to figure shit out like it's and by no stretch. And this is what kind of blows me away. Whenever you look at a lot of the stuff in the political landscape today, is that shit has taken us a very long time to figure out. Uh, The perfect example in my mind is slavery, um, because I know that in the Bible, even, you know, in the Old Testament, it talks about things like how to properly, um, and and this might trigger people, but like it talks about how to properly address like your slave. Like what are the actual requirements around a slave? Like, you know, if they're good for seven years, you should let them go. Like you shouldn't beat them or, you know, certain things like this. And where it gets weird is, is that my belief is that that is the very first instance of humans actually thinking, Hey, maybe we shouldn't have slaves because in order for you to understand something's like wrong, you kind of have to have this level of conscious awareness or a conscious understanding to get there. And it takes time, which I mean, it sucks in the grand scheme of things, but that's just how it happens. Right. And that was probably written 10,000 years ago that the old Testament, maybe fewer than that. I'm not hundred percent sure. Uh, but The case in point is, though, is that it it took us six to eight thousand years to actually from that first thought of like, oh, maybe we should actually kind of treat them nice to we probably shouldn't have any at all. And even more so, you know, there's still countries today that still have slavery, which is obviously terrible. But the point is, is like now we're, you know, still trying to figure out like the proper integration, all the things that we put in the system that aren't perfectly aligned, you know, and, you know, the whole. Outcast. i don't want i would try to stay away from the political landscape but the whole point is is just to unveil that some things just take time to figure out like some things just take time for our consciousness to evolve to a state of like oh shit like we probably shouldn't do that or in this conversation oh shit we should probably teach kids this you know and it's interesting because i'm thinking about it in regards to sex education and i know that like my mom um, when she was I think in high school her parent she asked her she was got a project in health class and the project was to ask your parents you know where you know ask them questions about sex and this was like their like way to ask them and so my mom asked her mom uh where is sex supposed to be taught and her mom my grandmother responded that you're supposed to learn from your peers and it's like that's so wild to me that that's the line of thinking from just 2 generations ago I and well, I mean, this is obviously like one specific yeah, yeah. person, but I yeah. the grand scale idea and then I look back on my life and like in health class sex education was never taught. We watched like remember the titans and like coach carter and all the great like sports movies <laughs> and I'll just like like at the time I'm like fuck yeah, but then now, you know, being where I'm at today, I'm like why the hell did they never teach us this shit about like the power that is in sexual energy, like, you know, why they never teach us like getting to know your body and Okay, this is kind of embarrassing, but I'm going to just say it like we talk about failure. You know, I didn't even fully understand what circumcision was until like I was a junior in college. It wasn't until I was a junior in college. And I was like, Oh, shit, like, I thought that was something else. So like, my sexual education was even so terrible up until I actually had to get myself to do it. And even my parents, I asked them, I was like, Why did you guys never teach me? And they kind of thought they did. They kind of thought the school did. And I mean, even just that's such a mishap, but to your point, right? I I think there's also this level, and I guess I'm going on with a run on sense here, but I believe that there's also a level of us actually understanding that there's a problem in the first place, right? If everybody is being indoctrinated to go to school, to go to college, to make it to the next level, like then that is what the ipso facto is. You got to make sure you get your 401k so that when you retire, you're going to be well off and not have to worry about money. And it's like, dude, the, that's been such a falsehood. Like the scarcity mentality in our society has been so ingrained that that's the outcome. I think it's a huge part of our obesity problem in America. I think that scarcity is a huge reason that we still have wars to this day. And, you know, it plagues a lot of people. And I believe there's a great book called A Happy Pocket Full of Money. Highly recommend anybody reads it. But the core thing is, is like abundance is the natural state of the universe. Mm -hmm. It just is. Yet from our third dimensional point of view, if we're in that fear state mentality, if we're in a lower frequency, we see scarcity. We think things are scarce. It invokes this competition mindset. Oh, if they have X, then it means I don't have it. When in reality, the state of the universe is abundance. And it's really up to us if we want to choose to align with that or to not align with that. And, And so to get back to the learning thing, my hope is, and I mean, it's been wild over the last, you know, year or so with all this stuff falling out and whatnot, but my hope is at least is at least, you know, we're able to start to talk about these things, start to talk about these crazy ideas. And I mean, even for my look, you also have to go against the fear of being ridiculed you can go to my TikTok channel where I talk about the gospel of Thomas, which was a book that was left out of the Bible. And I get absolutely blasted every, not every single time, but majority of like the first ones, like people were like, you're doing the devil's work. You're a heretic. How can you even call yourself a Christian? And I'm like, I never even called myself a Christian. So (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about, but the point is, is that like, there's a fear even to challenge. There's a fear to even challenge the status quo. So you have to even push past that fear to then open up a new idea to society. And I still see it on my Instagram today where you get people who absolutely love what I'm putting out and then people who are like, dude, you're insane, bro, trust me. Can you imagine being this stupid? You know, Stuff like that. And so there is this level of needing to push past fear in order to even challenge the status quo to make a new outcome and to help people realize that so much more is obtainable than what we believe. And truly, I mean, You listen to the way some of the greatest minds and people of our time, you know, even the past talk, it's like they can see that there's like this bigger picture out there. At least, you know, some of them, it's probably about 50 50 if you go backwards far enough. Um, But like we're just getting to this point where you can kind of tell by the way certain people talk, like whether it's timelines or the space complexity that they look in or whether or not their views are on competition, of whether or not they're going to be influential in their life. I almost said successful, but then I was like, depends on your measurement of success.
1: <laughs> influential. Yeah. I grew up like feeling and thinking like I was a, a weirdo. Um, and I, I wasn't like necessarily upset about it. I knew I was a really goofy, silly person. So I was, like that kind of equals weird. Right. But there were a lot of things that it kind of makes sense now as I'm really embracing, I guess, the journey for what it is. And it was that I was kind of, I was unusual and I wasn't quite normal because You know, my brain wasn't necessarily acting accordingly is how I would say it, Um, which is a good thing now because hindsight tells me, you know, there were things I had to go through so that I would have to learn how to forgive myself, forgive other people. I'd have to learn how to love myself and learn how to love other people, not only the people that I really want to love, but maybe even the people I don't want to love, because I, I do think that love is the answer. And that's just like the simplest form of it. I think there's a lot of complexity in that. Something I wanted to go back to just because I think it's very difficult for people. You know, it's not I don't come from a moral standpoint. I'm I'm talking about just like human well-being and 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 the effect of the consciousness. But you learn about circumcision because you learn sex from porn, right? Sure. And no one talks about what is happening through, you know, it, it's weird because I've I've tried to have the conversation with different men um about like our life force and what happens if you're just constantly just throwing it around, whatever you want. And it's like, Hey, cool. If that's your thing, whatever. I'm not, I'm not the porn police. Right. But it's something that should be a conversation. It should be talked about of like, why is it more kids learned about intercourse through pornography or even Hollywood movies than they ever did from real life experience. And, you know, even like the, just the mentality. I I don't know. I I still try to wrap my head around trying to I, I'll, I'll just get to this point where i want to get and i am hopeful as well that as a society maybe we are going to have to deal with some very intense hardships uh sometimes i refer to of like a societal collapse where we have to try to start from you, you know rebuild something and, and restructure it so that as individuals and, and wherever we are in, in this journey that we we choose like i i love how you said pick your own adventure right you get to yeah. choose man if like if you're all about business and you want to go make tens bajillions of dollars and like that's that's your thing, go do it, right? If that's what you align with, it's not that it's right or wrong. It's, you know, what is your perspective? What are you focused on? But I am hopeful that there are more people who are like, hey, I just, at least let's have the conversation of, is there a better way to understanding sex and utilizing it in a more passionate, more of a focus of energy, right? And I read this thing the other day and I don't know if I've ever done this with a person other than like maybe intense conversation, but like sitting down with your partner or sitting down with a friendship or sitting down with a stranger, making eye contact and sitting there with each other just while making eye contact. Yeah. And you want to talk about uncomfortable, like you'll be getting the heebie jeebies and you know, you're like, ah, I should check my phone or I need to look away or whatever it is. But if you force both parties, force themselves, there's a connection almost like batteries. And yeah. I haven't like really looked into it. It's just something that it provoked, a. Uh, curiosity for me but i do think that it's important to have polarity in this dimension or this place um, this reality um, because if all things were bad we want to know what good is and if all things were good we wouldn't know what bad is but nailed it but at the end of the day you know me and, me and my brother are super tight uh, i always say that we are one and the same and i think you would agree but when i started saying things like hey man there aren't really any rules I don't mean that there aren't rules, right? It, it, this is a game. There are multiple games in this realm. You learn the rules of the game, you can play the game, right? But what I mean is, is that ultimately you can do whatever you want. You have to understand that there is always consequence. There's always going to be something that follows a decision and an action. And when I started saying things like, hey, you could get in a car accident and you can sit there and instead of reacting, you can observe it and you don't have to observe it as good or bad hey, what is it? It's a car accident. Oh my God. And you're like, I don't know what it is. And that is way easier said than done. I've been in some situations where later on, I was like, hey, that was an opportunity that I missed, maybe a failure, if you will. But I was able to learn from, okay, next time I want to try to have that protocol in my head of like, wait a minute, this is really intense, but just take a second and go, what is it from a standpoint of no polarity? And that's changed a lot of my perspective. You know, Some days I do better than others, but I think it's a it's a good starting point for some conversations, you know, Um, and this is something where, you know, you want to talk about going down the rabbit hole. The rabbit hole is infinite. I mean, I I believe that death is a doorway. It's not an ending. And if that's the case, then I also have to accept when I say that, that maybe I'm not supposed to understand and comprehend everything. Maybe I'm, I'm literally not able to because I'm not supposed to yet.
2: Well, I got the, if you're ready for it, I got the book that'll help you understand uh, death in the afterlife. <laughs> I mean,
1: it hit me. I'm I'm not afraid, or at least not yet.
2: <laughs> it, no, dude, there's nothing to be afraid of. It's called uh, Journey of Souls, and it's by Dr. Michael Newton. That book will, anyone listening, if you have a fear of death, uh, read that book, and I can guarantee you that it will be practically gone. Uh, if you read that book, you'll it'll transform your entire perspective of the world. And you'll see, you'll see a lot of, you'll see a lot of things. Portia B. wants to get Megan back in the conversation. I feel like she's yeah, just feel been a oh, fly on the wall.
0: <laughs> I mean, now I'm just avoiding my fear of death. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> she,
2: so you, so the book's for you. That's why we're talking. It about is. It. <laughs> you, you knew
0: like deep down, I needed that one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: she, that was for you. She, she's always
1: really kind where she'd be like, "Up, oh, Sam's like excited. And he's like, he's going for it and I I'm always grateful but I I do agree like I would love to hear maybe some of your thoughts or questions
2: is there uh, is there I'll ask Megan this is there anything that we're talking about to you you're like these guys are crazy or we should something we should elaborate a little bit more on
0: um not really like I, I none of this is crazy to me because I know Sam I guess <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh
0: one thing I was gonna say like on the sex ed thing, it could be applied to like financial education, or even like just talking about failure and stuff like that. But growing up in Texas, we're taught abstinence. So not only you're not taught, you know, safe sex, you're not taught anything at all about Mm -hmm. sex. And I've always thought of how thankful I was that my mom was very transparent with me. She's like, Hey, if you're going to have sex, let's have that talk. Uh, You have options. Like you don't have to go, you know, be unsafe. And most of the population probably doesn't have that, which I didn't know how grateful I should be until a lot later, because I could be in a very different situation. And that's a failure that we're probably making with a lot of young kids, especially in the South, that have no idea how babies are made, (laughs) or even just diseases are passed. And at a very early age, they have to make a really big choice on how to handle something. And with everything that's happened this year, that's even more complicated. So we're really just setting it up for failure over and over again.
1: I think it's interesting because like I never and and maybe it's because I wasn't a woman, right? Or, Or I guess a female, because like I never really remember anything about like, hey, don't have sex. It was I would hear things of like, hey, condoms exist and stuff like that. But I remember like in sixth grade, I was like, all right, first day in middle school, I was wearing my big boy pants because, you know, that's one of the things they kind of trick you into believing is like you're you're graduating in life, I guess, <laughs> right of, of passage. And the girl next to me was like about to have a kid. Jeez. And so, so I was sitting next to her and then it was the first time I ever met someone. We were definitely different cultures. His name was Muhammad. He was kind of shy, but, you know, we talked a little bit and I was like, that's kind of cool. And. of where he came from but then you know i didn't really get to talk to her because she was like look i'm not going to be here very long like once i have this kid i'm not going to be allowed to come back so that was kind of crazy for me like when you were just saying what you said megan like nobody was like i don't remember anybody telling us or being around anyone that would talk about abstinence i remember hearing actually a lot about is it catholicism where it's like hey we don't use birth control yeah they, they keep it natural and so i would i would hear about people where And I'm like, I have, I have a brother. And then people would be like, I have like six siblings and I'd be like, what? And they'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, you know, I don't know if my mom and dad could handle six kids, you you know? And I think it's so crazy how just the three of us, we could have very different conversations about how we view sexual education from like our upbringing and our experience.
2: Yeah. I mean, and something that I think might be able to wrap both of those conversations together uh, I had someone on my podcast recently. What episode was it? 49, maybe 48, 48. She, uh, she was actually the girl who facilitated me in my plant medicine th- therapy. And she was like a very, her was brought up very religious and a huge thing with their thing. And Megan, I'm sure you were familiar with this is like, if you have sex before marriage, then you're like ruined. Like, it's not like you're done. Like this, this not going to work out. You're going to hell. And so, first of all, that is a very traumatizing thing to even tell to a kid in the first place. And then on top of that, her story, she got raped for her first time. And so then her whole perception was just like, I'm unworthy. I'm not worthy of it. Like anybody can have me, but I just hope that the last person like actually cares about me. And so she had a crazy story to even just kind of piece that together with her own you know, understanding. And I mean, there's so many <laughs> drops of the ball in that whole story, but it's just, it comes back to what you're saying is like, you know, it, it goes on both ends, right? There's like no education or there's a fear of actually doing it. And as we were talking about with fear, it like, it, it doesn't work out because especially if it's misinformed fear, you know, there's this element of trying to conform people to do what you want them to do. And so you use fear to do it. And it, you nobody has to look any further than news. The most powerful tactics in the world to control people. I'll tell you right now. And you can use this for good or bad if you want, but I don't recommend it for many reasons, but it is guilt, shame, fear, and anger. So if they can convince you of any of those four things, you should feel guilty about this. You should be ashamed about that. You should be angry about this, um, or you should fear this. Then those are the best ways to get people hypothetically get people to do what you want. And if you turn on the news, That is words after words. Every single sentence is based around those four principles. And what happens is, is that from a a consciousness perspective is that it keeps you in a lower vibration. There's a, this book kept coming up in my mind. It's called letting go by David Hawkins. Um, 10 out of 10 recommend it, but, uh, Dr. Hawkins came up with what's called the, um, levels of consciousness almost and what it looks like is a a graph that kind of starts at the bottom and raises up and at the bottom is like there's elements that we talked about where it's like guilt shame fear um, anger and then it transitions kind of into like bliss joy happiness love enlightenment peace and so the idea is is that these different uh, words carry different energy and those energies are measured at a certain frequency. And so it's like a logarithmic scale, right? So it logarithm logarithmically increases in like the energy vibration signature that you're putting out. So what happens is, is when you're controlling someone from one of those four mechanisms, you're keeping them in a lower state of consciousness, you're keeping them in a lower vibration, you know, whether they're angry about someone else, whether they're afraid of something else, like, and, and where it gets wild is it's like, it's your choice. Like, so, you know, at the end of the day, like maybe, and this is where it gets weird is maybe we needed to experience some of those things in order to be aware of what they were like. Like I've experienced shame in my life. I've experienced guilt. I've experienced anger. And it's always been my process to transcend those emotions, you know, right when it comes on, okay, let's transcend this. Why are we feeling this way? Oh, they're projecting something onto me about myself and trying to convince me that that's who I am. And it's like, all right, I already know that's not who I am. So let's transcend it. And it can very much be that they're operating from their own They're operating from that modality in themselves. And where it gets super fascinating is that, and this is what I've noticed in my life. um, I actually created a TikTok. It's like the core concept is like, if you want to learn to read people's minds, you know, all you need to do is raise your own frequency. So, you know, throughout my life, as I've become more, how do I want to phrase this? Like higher vibration of like a higher state, you know, embodying more of that love, joy, peace, enlightenment type energy, I am now able to see kind of whenever somebody comes at me with shame or comes at me with guilt or projects their own belief system onto me. And it's, it's so fascinating. I mean, you know, I kind of articulated as like reading someone's mind, but you're kind of seeing a more metaphysical interpretation of how they see the world. And now it's your responsibility. If you wish to make that a part of your world or not. Like if someone's coming at you with shame or guilt, like, do you actually want to integrate that and make a decision based off that? I mean, hell, if you're a content creator like myself, that's not going to work out for you. You're, you're going to be paralyzed to do anything. You're going to be afraid to say anything. You're going to be, you know, feel guilty that you, I even made it. It's so funny because I even made a, a piece recently um, about getting triggered. And this is what's super fascinating And this ties kind of a lot of what we're saying is, you know. Uh, the girl I had on articulated it perfectly. You can find it on my Instagram page, but she talked about like the idea of getting triggered. Like if I, like you have no idea if you're going to trigger somebody, right? Like, I mean, now maybe if you know that they're like a certain race and you use a racist word, like, yeah, but that comes back to intention. If you have an ill mannered intention, then yes, you can very easily trigger people. But if you're operating from the highest good, the highest place of it, you can possibly be then you have no idea what's going to trigger somebody. And the reason that they get triggered can be for a couple of reasons. A main one that I've noticed is that you are exposing them to a higher form of belief, like a higher sense of enlightenment. And there's some sort of knowing within them that knows it, knows it to be true But then the programmer, the matrix takes over and it will fight back against it because it's fighting against that subconscious programming. So then they enter a state of anger and it's like, well, dude, I just, I'm telling you what my highest truth is. And for them to enter a state of anger and being like, you triggered me. It's like, no, I spoke my truth. You decided to act in a negative manner. You know, the Stokes have been saying this for forever is that you basically are control of your emotions, you're in control of how you react to situations, you have no you have no predication on what happens to you only how you react to how things happen. And so what's interesting, too, is like, in that comments, like people were like, Oh, this is so wrong. Like, this is so fucked up, like getting triggered in the comments of me saying like, how I can't like trigger people. <laughs> but it's, it's so it's, it's fast. It's just fascinating. at my where I'm at, it's just so fascinating to see. And And it's weird too, because it's like a thing that has kind of stuck me stuck with me is like, I don't want to trigger people. Like I want people to feel bliss and enlightenment and beauty, but, but this is where it gets weird is I know on my own journey, I had to go to like, you know, I'll I'll say the depths of hell, but you know, lower vibrational energy in order to understand how to transcend it in order to understand how to rise up out of it. So now whenever I say something and people get pissed off in the comments, I'm like, look, I'm just telling you what my highest truth is telling you. And I'm giving you information. It's not my fault. If you get mad about it, it's not my intention for you to get mad. It's purely my intention to bring more awareness and more light to a dark place. And that's what happens is people, some people don't want people shining light on their shadows.
0: Well, and it's, it's not your job to fix it either. Like you literally couldn't fix someone else's view on that. And it's funny that you bring up like the guilt and anger because I avoided those for a while and they, they come back. You can't awesome. run that. Um, but I think I'm I'm finally getting to that point where I'm able to have that neutral look on that. And I had a conversation with someone who I know, like we have that guilt relationship. It's just kind of historically how it's gone. But I'm further removed from it now. So when they went there, I was like, that's not how I feel about it. And just moved over and they were like, "Uh, what? Uh? <laughs> and <laughs> we just like breezed on by. And it feels so much better to just be like, I'm not attached to that. You can think like that. I can't convince you otherwise. Let's keep going or don't. <laughs>
1: it's perfect. I, I have, I struggle with it because I'll reflect on stuff often. Sometimes I say too often, but you know, one of the things that I I believe I've learned is that words are magical so they can either be blessings or they can be curses
2: and yet that's why that's why it's called spelling
1: yeah yeah (laughs) yeah, right and and like even though i know that i'll still think back to my day and be like why the fuck did i say that like I, i i i'll be able to go like well i was feeling a certain way and you know sometimes i i try to deep dive it like you were saying of well what was it about that you know why why was i triggered if you will right um but then I, I'm way quicker to, okay, Hey, I'm not going to downward spiral. Like, you know, when I had to kind of, I, I had to crawl my way out of the own hell that I created. And and it was simply because I was still in a place of like, well, it's not my fault. I'm here. It's, it's uh, because I'm angry, because it's a defense mechanism because so-and-so did this whenever or that or society, like whatever I could, I would blame it. And then one day it was like, you know, metaphorically, I, I kind of just looked at the shackles that I was wearing and I was like, holy shit, I put these on myself. And it was yeah. through all the curses that I put on myself. And, you, you know, I'm not saying I took, I started to try to take full responsibility and that's a daily grind in my opinion. Like I, I know it's easy to forget or, you know, autopilot kicks in, man. Uh, I think it's part of the the, the matrix coding. But, you know, one one thing I'll say is, anybody that's listening to this and maybe doesn't quite understand or disagrees or fully agrees, like we're all in, we're all exactly where we're supposed to be. And sometimes that hurts to hear because there'll be a really messed up time in your life. Some really messed up things could be going on, but we are there for a reason. And maybe it's because we we have to understand later through hindsight or through the process of dealing with, to get, to get to the point of, higher vibration that that's exactly how i would say it and so understand that the that this process and and you know you can call it waking up you can call it the soul journey and call it whatever you want but it isn't just puppies and rainbows there's definitely points in my life where i wanted to move on i wanted to grow but i still had to grieve the past i still had to endure letting go in, in some cases, but it was very much sorrow filled. Like I, I was happy later on, but I had, I had to deal with those things. Like it was still like, just because I'm like, oh, I don't want to feel sad about it. Doesn't mean I don't have to process that anyway. Right. Something that really changed for me was like, uh, we've had other guests talk about it, books, talk about it. I try to talk about it in the way that I, I try to understand it of, you know, you, you call me something and it, it makes me feel angry that emotion chemically in my brain is about 90 seconds. After Mm -hmm. that, it's me perpetuating and and fueling the fire, right? And Mm -hmm. and sticking to it or sticking in a frame of mind that aligns with that anger that I felt in that that moment. And, you know, one thing I'll say is, is it's it's not the end of the world to feel, uh, I would say like negative feeling emotions, but there is a way to get to a point where it's almost like a neutrality, right? Like bliss, I don't think is just like, dopamine and happiness I think bliss is more of calm you know like like did you say the highest part of it was was peace
2: yeah I believe it's it's either peace or enlightenment you can look up a really good chart that will describe like the uh, emotions and then it'll also show you how it appears like in your body or like Mm -hmm. the state of mind or like key phrases so there's some good charts out there that go into that
1: it's a it's a wild it's a wild ride, um, and it can be a scary roller coaster or an exciting roller coaster. Some would argue that's the same thing, right? <laughs> uh, it's exciting and scary because it's the same thing happening all the time, right? But unfortunately, I think that's where we're gonna have to stop. And maybe maybe you know that's a good stopping point where people can take a second think about it. Or maybe for some people, this is a horrific cliffhanger of like, wait a minute, like, (laughs) is there a little bit more that we need to know before you leave for the day? But
2: well, here, I'll give you I'll give you that that little bit that's screaming at me to share. Um, You know, you were talking about how some people might be in a terrible place. And, you know, it's difficult to hear these kind of things. Yeah. The simplest way I can describe it, right, is if uh, is the phrase, you know, you win or you lose, right? And the phrase you win or you lose" is based in a scarcity mentality. It's based in that competition mindset. You can reframe it. And this is something I learned from uh, jujitsu. I train Brazilian jujitsu, and it's something that I, all the Brazilians say, and it's, you know, beautiful. Like there's something over and over again that keeps happening. It's because there's something there for you to learn. You know, our third dimensional mind thinks it's lost, loss, loss. loss. But reality, it's an opportunity for you to learn. And if you're not learning, if you're avoiding the learning that comes with those lower vibrations, then you're going to just keep repeating it. So, you know, and it even goes to a competition standpoint. Whenever I've competed, I've won multiple jujitsu competitions. But whenever I win, I don't learn anything. It's only whenever I quote unquote lose the match is whenever I actually learn something I need to do better. So I think that's what I would love to help you with uh, signing it off on is that it's not win or lose. It's win or learn. Love it. Um,
1: Yeah. It it made me immediately think of something that I've recently tried to think about at least once a day is like fail faster. And Mm -hmm. then it turns into like, I want to fail because again, like you said, learning, right. Fail faster. Now that doesn't mean go jump in traffic and be like, "Oh, hit me!" With yeah, you car, can't but... force
0: it, but like, it's not bad. Like <laughs>
1: um, I want somebody to deny me a job position. To, like, I don't. <laughs> that doesn't count as failure. You asked for this, man. Um, yeah. No, but that that was a great point, and I really appreciate you sharing that. I I think that that is the way that we finish that conversation for now. Right? For now, um, <laughs> Megan, you know what time it is.
0: Time for Megan's Corner.
1: She, she's like, it's 3.15. I was like, no, not literally. Oh. No, <laughs> you're going to ruin it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> time's, time's not real. So yeah. You know, hey. Hey. <laughs> well,
1: no, well, no,
0: hey, I was already a part of that clan. Uh, so really all I'm here to say in Megan's Corner is you can send us emails at friendsoffailurepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about time and all the other beautiful stuff that we covered in this episode. Uh, and you can find us on pretty much every social ever. Um, and we're going to also link Clayton below wherever you're watching or listening.
1: Well, one day I imagine we're going to be very exclusive with the socials we use. Cause there'll be like <laughs> 900 of them. And if we were like trying to do every single social, uh, social media, we wouldn't be able to c- like keep up with the, with the algorithm, you know? Um,
0: No, there's just going to be one at a certain point. It's going to be like the Amazon of socials.
1: Oh, man. (laughs) um
2: i can't i can't even terrifying. Imagine. yeah i can't it's just uh i think it might already be that <laughs> you joke about oh. it. i think that's already what's happening <laughs>
1: yeah it, it's just an ai computer that they just decided, have different names <laughs> yeah right it's it's just one ai computer deciding what's gonna be seen and not be seen we're
0: like, in denial we're gonna pretend like they're not all connected <laughs> I, I
1: i can't wait for the day that i'm like back in my day we had four different social medias and, <laughs> um gosh um well hey man, I, I really appreciate the uh you you coming on and the conversation. Um we always enjoy being able to to share these things and experience them ourselves, right? Um maybe one day we'll we'll do a part two, you know what I'm saying? Uh we'll we'll revisit this and then just try to go deeper, right?
2: Hell yeah, man. I'm all about it. Uh, I mean I appreciate Megan, Sam. I appreciate you guys for your time. Yeah, and I'm all about you know going deeper because I know I'm I every single week I'm having on people that are expanding my awareness and and so you know we revisit this in a couple of months it's it's going to be a completely completely different conversation for sure so
1: we'll be three different people probably right yeah. <laughs> we
2: we already are yep since every the minute. beginning of this conversation <laughs> exactly um,
1: and, and and with that being said you know something I I like to leave at the forefront of everyone listening the forefront of your mind which is try to remember that uh, life isn't happening to you. It's it's happening for you. So go down the rabbit hole. And then, you know, maybe we'll insert like a poop joke or something. Later oh just to <laughs> make it funny, you know, oh kind God. of take away some of the.
0: It was nice and dramatic until then. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not I'm stronger than you, it's I'm wiser than you. I'm more loving than you. I'm more tolerant than you. I'm more sophisticated than you. it doesn't matter what it is that this constant competition is going on. is the secret.
1: is the secret. You can't make a mistake.